Father, we thank you. God, that we can stand before you, and God, no matter what's going on in our life or what's going on around us, the world may be crumbling, but we know that we can stand and we can say that, God, you are good. In the good and the bad, you are always good, and that one thing stands, and we thank you for that. This morning, I pray that you would just be with us as we hear your word. God, speak to our hearts this morning. God, we love you, and we give this time to you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's say together, the Word of God, the Spirit of God, the people of God are all we need and we need each desperately. True, true, true. Today we look at Saul's death, 1 Samuel chapter 31. We've been, in the study of David, we've been having to deal with Saul and we have noticed his disobedience, we have noticed his paranoia, we have noticed his insecurities, but the thing that was ultimately the end of Saul was the consequences of his pride. Pride. Psalm 14.1 says, and this may be the, the uh, extreme degree of pride, the fool has said in his heart, there's no God. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And pride is a real struggle. The scripture tells us in many different places, in many different ways, through the stories of people and through the teaching of New Testament writers, that God exalts the humble, but he takes down those full of pride. A few signs of pride. Number one, assuming you already know something when someone is teaching. In other words, you can't be taught anything. You've got it all. Seeing that you're too good to do certain things is pride. When you're too proud to ask for help, maybe directions. When you always feel the need to straighten other people out, you feel the need to always teach people something, you may struggle with pride. You may struggle with pride if you talk about yourself a lot. You may struggle with pride if you think you are better than people who are different or less fortunate than you are. So you think you're better than me, right? He thinks he's better than me. She thinks he's better than me. You're not better than me. You think you're better than somebody else. When you just absolutely grimace and you disregard the advice of other people, even if you agree with their advice because it's not from you, you know you're full of pride when it's got to be your idea. That's a real pride issue. When you're consistently critical. Now, all of us are critical from time to time, but when you're consistently critical, here she comes, get ready. We're about to hear something critical. There's pride there. Another one. When you always need attention and affirmation. That's pride. When you just can't receive constructive criticism, that's pride. 
listen to this one. When you're obsessed with physical appearance, that's pride. Now that might come close to home, but the key word is obsessed, right? We, we're a society that cares a lot about physical appearance and it's tied to, to our self-worth. It's tied to our self-image. Some of us struggle less with that than others. Uh, but when you're overly obsessed with how you look and your self-image is based on what other people think about you, first of all, realize how foolish that is. Who, who determines what's pretty and what's not? You know, who, who really has the right to say what, out, what outfit, what ensemble matches and what doesn't? Who, 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 who has that authority? Where did, where did that come from? I mean, and when we're overly obsessed with something that's so subjective. Now, they say that pretty people have symmetrical places, and, they, and they've proven, and I've talked about it before, I, being fat, bald, and ugly, I've seen this in just happening out there. I get waited on last. If I'm, at, if I'm at the Walmart line and we're all scattered there in the automotive part, they'll pick the pretty people first. I've been down that road. That's just the way it is. They, they, they avoid me thinking, you know, I'm a, I'm a, a bear, a gorilla, or, or a robber probably. But we are really obsessed with physical appearance. And if you're overly obsessed with it, it could be a pride issue that needs to be dealt with. When we just won't submit to authority, there's a pride issue there. I struggle with that one. If someone says, you will absolutely not chew gum, I'll chew gum in a heartbeat. That's, that's pride. When you ignore someone's attempt to communicate with you because they're, they're just underneath you, that's pride. When you're always justifying your sin instead of admitting it, that's pride. When you just won't admit you're wrong, that's pride. And you're always justifying your sin, that's pride. Always name dropping. Always name dropping. Preachers are really bad about that. I, I've been to a few meetings from time to time and I'll run into that guy and all he wants me to know is who all the real popular, famous preachers he knows. And, and my favorite thing to do in those situations said, I don't know anybody. I don't know one. I don't know any of those guys you talked about. I've never had coffee with those guys. I, I don't know anybody. Uh, to me, it, maybe that's pride to go the other direction quickly. But name dropping, name dropping, who you know, who you're with, you know, who your business partner is, you know, who you're doing business with, always name dropping, always name dropping. You know that you struggle with pride when there's a loud declaration that you don't have pride issues. That's a pride problem. <laughs> you know, I declare that I do not have a pride problem. Yeah, you do. You really do. And I think it's pride and it can best be seen, and this one maybe I, only, I enjoy this one, is when we get off an airplane in a foreign country for the first time and we get down there and you walk off the plane and go out of the airport and you look around and you say, how in the world do these people do all this without us? 
There's some pride there. There's some pride there. Always looking what they don't do as well as we do. There's some pride there. 1 Samuel 31. Now the Philistines attacked Israel, and the men of Israel fled before them. Many were slaughtered on the slopes of Mount Gilboa. The Philistines closed in on Saul and his sons, and they killed three of his sons, Jonathan, Abinadab, and Makoshua. The fighting grew very fierce around Saul, and the Philistine archers caught up with him and wounded him severely. Saul groaned to his armor bearer, take your sword and kill me before these pagan Philistines come to run me through and taunt and torture me. But his armor bearer was afraid and would not do it. So Saul took his own sword and fell on it. When his armor bearer realized that Saul was dead, he fell on his own sword and died beside the king. You may have wondered where that came from. He fell on his sword. Well, here you go. Now, we use that to say he took all the blame. He took all the responsibility. He fell on his sword. Saul fell on his sword. Not the way a mighty king should die. But he fell on his sword. When the Israelites on the other side of the Jezreel Valley and beyond the Jordan saw that the Israelite army had fled and that Saul and his sons were dead, they abandoned their towns and fled. So the Philistines moved in and occupied their towns. The next day, when the Philistines went out to strip the dead, they found the bodies of Saul and his three sons on Mount Geboa. So they cut off Saul's head and stripped off his armor. Then they proclaimed the good news of Saul's death in their pagan temple and to the people throughout the land of Philistia. They placed his armor in the temple of the Asheros and they fastened his body to the wall of the city of Bashan. But when the people of Jabesh-Gilead heard what the Philistines had done to Saul, all their mighty warriors traveled through the night to Bashan and took the bodies of Saul and his sons down from the wall. They brought them to Jabesh where they burned the bodies. Then they took their bones and buried them beneath the tamarisk tree at Jabesh and they fasted for seven days days. Let me show you a picture of a tamarisk tree. There you go. That's what they buried Saul under. Not much of a tree, is it? I, I just can't imagine that they would bury the Queen of England under that tree. Now, to me, it looks like a mesquite tree. And so, for me, it'd be fine. I think I'd be nestled right in there pretty good. So go ahead and burn me good and put me in there. But that's not fitting for a king. But that's what happens when pride rules. God exalts the humble, but he takes down the prideful. Some lessons from chapter 31. The first lesson is 
This scripture tells us that when God says judgment is coming, judgment will come. First Chronicles 10, 13 and 14 says, so Saul died because he was unfaithful to the Lord. He failed to obey the Lord's command and he even consulted a medium. Remember when he talked with the witch of Endor and, and had a seance and brought Samuel back from the dead. Instead of asking the Lord for guidance, he sought the counsel or the work of a medium. So the Lord killed him and turned the kingdom over to David, son of Jesse. And so the word of God tells us that Saul died not because the Philistines were strong. Saul died not because of poor military tactics, not because of anything else, but he died because he was unfaithful to the Lord. He failed to obey the Lord's command. He was full of pride. That's why he died. Now, it was prophesied. It was clearly spoken. The word of the Lord to Saul was, your life will end at the hands of the Philistines. And that's exactly what happened. We're foolish to think that God will not do what he says he will do. We, we, we're always rationalizing that, aren't we? Man's got to come up with a sleep at night understanding of God. Call it a sleep at night theology. I've got to have a theology of death, of judgment, of the consequences of my sin that help me sleep at night. And nothing helps us sleep at night better than Jesus died on the cross for us. We are foolish to explain away the coming of the judgment of God. We are foolish to live our lives like we are exempt from judgment. Pride will always be dealt with. The scripture tells us that the Lord will no, by no means forgive the guilty. Our lesson is we need to be careful not to explain away or ignore God's words of judgment. We need to be very careful with that. Another lesson we learn in this scripture is this. The scripture tells us and shows us in plain day that the consequences of our sin are not contained within us. They're not contained to the person. Especially in the situation of a leader. This leader's sin was not contained within him. Think about it. Saul falls on his sword. Saul's three sons are killed. The armor bearer, he dies. All the troops die. And all the Israelites flee their villages and they lose their, their land and they lose their homes. And the Philistines come in and live in their places. And so even people that weren't part of the battle, people that were outside, external, they were impacted by Saul's sin. And that's the way the consequences of sin are. I mean, we have seen in our lifetime, Enron, in it, on the top, a few people are not scrupulous, right? And they're underhanded. And they have these schemes and they're trying to, to make things go. And I don't understand the whole story, but obviously they broke some laws. 
Well, then you got people, Bernie Madoff. He, he, in his sin, the consequences of his sin impacted so many innocent people. And that's the way this sin is. And we understand that, that if we have pride and we struggle with pride, the consequences of our pride are going to be dealt with. And, and you can't contain the consequences of your sin. I think that ought to motivate all of us to humbly come before the Lord in repentance. Lord, I'm full of pride. Forgive me. I repent. I change. I turn. I, I about face. I, I don't want the consequences of my sin impacting my loved ones. Right? Our lesson is we need to understand that when we are disobedient and unrepentant, Others are impacted by the consequences of our sin. This scripture also tells us that the truth, it is absolutely a truth like water boils at 212. This is a truth. This is, this is in place. Pride goes before fall. Pride, Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. Now, Paul, I mean Saul, was clearly told that the end was coming soon, but he obviously musters his troops and faces off with the Philistines. He had to know the end was coming. His three boys are there with him. He still moves forward. His troops are with him. His armor bearer, which obviously he cared for his armor bearer, is with him. But that didn't prevent any of the consequences from taking place. God is true to his word and pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. Saul got by with it for a long time. When we look at the life of Saul, we're thinking, well, why... Didn't God just move and, and elevate David to the place of the king? Well, at one time, David wasn't ready yet, and God's timing wasn't there. But this became prophetic in Saul's life. And he fell on his sword. He asked the armor bearer to kill him. The armor bearer wouldn't do it. And so the only thing Saul could do was fall on his sword. Now, the Philistines did not respect Saul at all. They did not respect the kingship position of Saul. But when the people of Jabesh Gilead, when, when they heard what had happened, they went and, and got his head off of the wall at Beit Shan. And they took him home and they buried him beneath the tamarisk tree in Jabesh. Now Saul did not at all deserve that respect, but his position did. And that's why they did that. Now, one of the reasons why uh, Saul didn't want 
to die at the hands of the Philistines and why he fell on his sword is because he didn't want them to run him through and taunt him and torture him. I understand a little bit of that. I, I'm for sitting up with the dead. I think that's a tradition that needs to be revisited in our culture. I, I've been to some funeral homes and I've been in the back rooms and I've seen how they do a few things and every now and then I, I think, I don't wanna be on that table and have that man poking me like that. I sure don't want him painting my face so I look good to the family. I'm gonna put on my, my instructions if you're not going to burn me, don't let him paint my face. And, and don't let him poke me in there. And so I don't know how that's all going to work out. I hope some of y'all come sit up with me and, and make sure they don't poke me and torture me in there and play games. Look how that wiggles. Look how that moves. I don't want anything to do with that. It's like it's dishonoring. Now... Saul was undeserving of any honor at his death, but his position was not. And so that's why the people of Jabesh Gilead showed up and mourned for him. Now, the point I'm trying to make here today is this. He really was unmournable. Life should have just went on with Saul because Saul caused more angst and hardship for the people than should have happened. Saul was the result of people's disobedience in the first place. We want a king. We want a king. God says, no, no king for you. But we want to be like everyone else. And God finally said, okay, you want to be like everybody else? I'll give you Saul. They were so excited. Saul was tall, good-looking, broad-shouldered. We're going to feel good about having that king. And at the end, he fell on his sword. He was unmournable. It was judgment from day one because of the pride of people. We want to be strong like everyone else. We want to have a good image like everyone else. We want other people to know how powerful we are. We want other people to know how educated we are. We want other people to know how skillful we are. We want other people to know how dedicated we are. All of that is pride. In the end of all of that pride that's tied to Saul is a man falling on his own sword. Pride. Pride. Remember, it's clear. The humble's exalted, but the, the people of pride, they're dealt with. The pride goes before fall. The consequences of our sin are contained within ourselves. Other people are impacted. Other people are impacted. And when God says he is going to judge our sin, we have to understand that. In Christ Jesus, we understand there's no condemnation for those in Christ. We understand, but, but he still disciplines us in our sin. 
and we still experience the consequences of our sin and our actions. Judgment should always, always be taken seriously because God does what he says he's going to do. Help us, Lord, today to learn from the life of Saul and in this chapter, the death of Saul. Help us to consider pride today. Help us to be open for your spirit to teach us, to show us if we have any pride impact in our lives. We pray your spirit will guide and lead us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, come forward for our offering.